the series Healing the Brokenhearted. Jim, it's good to have you back with us. Man, as always, it's good to be with you guys. And you know what? It's just so good to be speaking to your audience. And your audience is such a receptive audience. <laughs> These are people who want to get help. These are people yeah. who want their lives changed. And man, that's that's who you love talking to. And I really think that some of my favorite times in life are conversations with you and talking about how Jesus heals our hearts. My life has changed so much as a result of really focusing in on the fact that Jesus actually wants to heal my heart, meaning I don't have to walk around with the kind of buried pain. I don't have to walk around with, you know, cycles that go over and over again. That changes everything. It changes your relationships. Mm. It, it changes your finances. It changes your health. Oh, yeah. It changes your health for sure because mm. you don't have to walk around worried. You don't have to walk around, you know, scared of the future. Um, this is really great news we're talking about yeah. today. I'm going to throw out, you know, it's been decades now that we've <laughs> been friends with each other. And what I have so valued and appreciated about Jim is that it's never about a message. It's never about, no. you know, selling the next series or creating the next, you know, uh, you know, podcast or whatever it might be. But it's always been about a relationship and, yep. you know, that being a, a friendship that we share, but then also just really leading us and i'm i'm uh, reflecting on the previous podcast we did and that was you know i can lead you to the door but you got to go through this door yourself and yeah. i am so grateful you know to have jim in our lives because that's what he's just done and in such a loving way and i hope that you know through this series that you recognize that you know all we can, all we really want to do is help you lead you to a doorway where you're able to step into the most loving, fulfilling, awesome relationship with the God who so cares about you. And you know, you know, Jim Bob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just, just for the just so the listeners will know, my name is not Jim Bob. <laughs> you know, Jim Bob. <laughs> I was We're making both listening. <laughs> yes, uh, I was making my protein pancake this morning, like I love to do. And uh, I was thinking about, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about the kind of people that this young girl was attracted to. And she goes, "Well, I like people that are really driven." And I was just looking at her like. Like, really? Because my last few years learning from Dr. Jim Richards how to be chill has really helped my life. But I'm, I'm saying this is something I respect about you, Jim. Honestly, you get so much done. You accomplish so much for the kingdom and you are going. I mean, there is no doubt that you have, you when you set goals, I'm just amazed at what you can get done in a day, a week, a month. However, whenever I'm with you, I don't feel the drivenness, no. if that's a word. I don't feel that fact that, you know what, that there's fear behind that driven thing that just is actually unattractive to me. And I love that, that you know, my Uncle Jim has taught me how to chill. That's right. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, this is why so many ministers and even believers who are serious about God end up burnout, angry, yes. and even sick and diseased is because we create this internal stress. And, it, and, and it's more about stress driving us. It's, it's more about this fear of not making the goal. Yes. Instead of, you know, getting up and saying, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. You commit it to the Lord. Yep. And then you just do what you can and trust God to make up 
you know, for, for what you can't. Yeah. And, and it works out well. And you live that life. Like when I'm with you, I always feel peace. And that's what's something I want Good. people. Even though I'm a hyper crazy girl that I might be, it's just my personality behavior style is that way. I want people yeah. to feel peace when they're with me. You know what? Absolutely. I want peace to be something that, like I have my Prince of Peace. His name is mm. Jesus. And yep. that changes everything in my day. Absolutely. The topic that we've been speaking about is healing the brokenhearted. And I just want to reference the key verse that we've been kind of going off of. And that's Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus is speaking. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, today, what we want to do is begin to talk about what does a healed heart look like? The yeah. manifestations of a healed heart. Yeah, and so, well, you just talked about peace. That's probably mm, one of the things. That would be a huge um, But maybe <clears throat> you can start where you feel like you want to speak about this, Jim, but I have some questions about some previous shows as well after we get started. Well, you know, what we probably should do, there's uh, there's a couple of things we probably could discuss with the audience so that instead of just, instead of just jumping into knowing what the manifestations yeah. are, they could actually take some steps and and get past some of this. So, so let's, let's give them some, uh, talk about some exercises that, that they could possibly do. Great. Uh, and then we'll describe these manifestations, and they won't just have to hear about them. They can begin experiencing them right away. Okay, perfect. So let's just do that. You know, the biblical process for transformation for the believer, and we have to understand transformation uh, technically is we don't consider the same thing as change because change is uh, pretty much something you do from the outside. Change is something you do with your own strength. And usually change it revolves around the idea that I've got to change to be loved. I've got to change to be accepted. In other words, it's, it's, it's usually connected to all sorts of healthy, unhealthy concepts. Whereas transformation, you know, change says you've got to become some someone you're not. Transformation, on the other hand, says you've got to you, you want to put on and manifest who you really are because yeah. transformation you know it, it begins with the fact that we get born again and the spirit of god comes into us and and something happens that religion never wants to admit and that is your spirit man is made perfectly righteous actually is made absolutely perfect there is no flaw in your spiritual man when you're born again and so this whole idea of I've got to grow my spirit, all that kind of stuff, that's just a bunch of religious talk that has no foundation in, in New Covenant reality. Mm -hmm. But the reason that becomes important is this. In transformation, I am able to accept myself and love myself, even with my faults. And, I, and you know, I'm not going to justify my faults, and I'm not going to try to find excuses to get by with my faults. But even with my faults, because I know, first of all, that who I am, I'll in Jesus, I already am on the inside. And all that's got to happen is this metamorphosis, which is what the word transformation comes from. This, this metamorphosis has to take place where that which is in me begins to manifest 
in my thoughts, my feelings, my beliefs, my actions, and the way I treat people. Mm -hmm. And so the, the issue is not, do I need to get more righteousness from God? Do I need to get more love from God? Do I need to get more of anything from God? But the issue is, what, what is it that is keeping me from experiencing what I already have? So we're never trying to get more. That just, is the bottom line question. What yeah. is keeping me from manifesting who I really am? And, you know, this is what Jesus was addressing whenever he was talking about uh, the broken heart. You know, there's a scripture over in, over in the book of Jeremiah that, boy, it is, it is misquoted because of how bad of a translation it is. But uh, in, in the book of uh, Jeremiah, it tells us that... Um, the heart is desperately, or the heart is de deceitful and what desperately, desperately wicked. Desperately wicked, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, here it is, uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who, Who can, can know I'm, it? Yeah. Now, we read scriptures like that and, and we're like, oh, man, I can never trust my heart. Well, you can't trust your heart if you don't renew your mind, but <laughs> we won't go there right now. But that scripture in the original language says something totally different. The word deceitful in the Hebrew means to show footprints or to have footprints. And the word wicked, we're talking about being desperately wicked, the basic meaning of this word is to be sick or depressed or, or in circumstances of being needy and living in lack. So what this scripture is really saying is that the heart is covered with footprints and it you know and it's desperately sick and needy and and who can know it well that's what we've got to understand and this is what G why jesus the very first thing he came out with is look we got to heal your broken heart because otherwise nothing i tell you from this point forward is going to make any sense you're not going to be able to get anything to work if we don't start with this thing about healing your broken heart. And I feel we like gotta, and then I feel like when you re helped us define that scripture, it took mm -hmm. the judgment out of it. It took the like, oh, you bunch of awful people, our hearts are desperately sick forever, yeah. you know? And what it really says is it brought in a lot of compassion and care. And it says, you know what? You know what? We all have footprints on our heart and we're all needy, you know? And yeah. that just brings to me a whole different tone of love and it brings a lot of like maybe maybe even some hope for our hearts well it does especially when you consider jesus come on the scene he said the, he said the reason i'm anointed now the only anointing we have is the one we share with jesus right all this stuff about different kinds of anointings really none of that is really scriptural right you know, we yield to some aspect of the anointing. Like somebody might yield more to healing or yield more to prophecy, but but it's not a special anointing. There's only one anointing, that's Jesus. Now, if we share in his anointing and the purpose for his anointing was to preach the gospel to the poor, to, you know, mend the broken heart, to set at liberty those who are bruised, uh, and, and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. If that's why he was anointed, then that's why we're anointed. Right. And so our first and the highest goal 
should be as ministers and even as believers who want to help people around them is not to tell people what's wrong with them, not to, you know, point out people's faults, but to make people whole Mm -hmm. through the love of God. I love that. I love that kind of purpose. What I find is a lot of people, their self-talk is really, you know, keeping them uh, in a destructive cycle. Jim, you were speaking about change. And Mm -hmm. they constantly are um, speaking, you know, about themselves and about their situation. And and they begin to really attach themselves, as you were saying, to this place of lack. I don't have or I need to be or I need this or that or that. Mm -hmm. And, and, And it's almost as though they're affirming to themselves what they don't have. Or what I'm incapable of. So true. That keeps them in this destructive cycle. Yeah, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm not, not enough. enough. And, and see, that's the difference between a spiritual and a carnal mind. You know, a carnal mind looks totally to the natural. Or what carnal means is natural. It looks totally to the natural. Mm-hmm. And a carnal mind sees itself, the world around around that person if everything is interpreted just by my natural five senses and what my five senses are telling me and of course the pride of life whereas the spiritual mind is looking at what has happened in our spirit man mm-hmm. and is acknowledging focusing on that and as a matter of fact paul told philemon uh in, in verse six of of the first chapter or the only chapter of philemon you know, Paul t- talks about the fact that he says that the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Jesus. Now, if I want my faith to become effective, and that word actually in the Greek mean, not only means effective, but it means activated. If I want my faith to come alive, then this is not going to happen by identifying everything is wrong with me and finding some way to fix it. Mm-hmm. This is going to begin by identifying, and of course, we know this uh, uh, based on the parable of the sower and the seed. We know this means identify it, meditate on it, ponder it, let that become your self-talk. Every good thing that's in you because of Jesus, and your faith is going to come alive, and transformation is going to start in you. So what do I do? And I hope I'm not veering off in a <clears throat> wrong direction here, but um, just helping people and really wanting to, because this really helps Bob and I to help people in marriages because we feel like if we can get people to really know who they are in Jesus and know the re- we call it the real them you know the, yep. the Holy Spirit them like I've got Spirit Audrey and she you know Aud- that Audrey is not lacking anything and I want to be aligned to that all you yep. know all the time so anyway so what do we do when we have someone in front of us there's a couple and someone is being extremely selfish okay or self centered egotistical narcissist okay so you know mm-hmm. who I'm talking about and and I and I want to say like you yeah if I can just help them to know the real them then they're going to be okay and I'm thinking but maybe someone does need to call them out on this or do they just need to be loved or like no, they, you know remember love has to be defined based on the word of God not based on humanistic philosophy right with a bunch of compassion and enablement and niceness you know, Jesus called people out okay but he gave them solutions, and he's our model. Okay. He's our interpretation of everything God ever said. So if Jesus called people out, then I have to realize that was an act of love. Now, he didn't call them out in judgment. He didn't call them out and beat them up, but he called them out. You know, when I'm sitting with someone like that, honestly, of what I have done many times is I would 
say, excuse me just a minute, and I would turn to their spouse, I'd say, now, uh, what he just said or what she just said and the way it was said, how'd that make you feel? Mm -hmm. And let that person explain. And give her a voice or give that man a voice, whichever. Mm -hmm. Now, usually that other person is going to say, well, that's stupid. That's not what I meant. Right. And it's like, well, no, love goes beyond what I meant and gets into how I make you feel. Yes. By what I do. Right. And so, and so, you know, I'm going to take that person down a path of realizing that on a surface level, this is just being rude and inconsiderate. Yes. But at a deeper level, there is some need or some belief there that is driving this behavior. And, and if we don't get this behavior, if we don't get this belief solved, then you will always default back to this behavior. Yeah. I know that, that's really helpful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. I know that even for myself, I lived in that column or that category <clears throat> yeah. of change. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. Got to change. Got to change. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, and then I would look at people that I would admire, you know, and that I'd want to be like. And then I'd think, okay, what do I need to change about me so that I could be more like them? Mm-hmm. And so. I was always, you know, um, really hard on myself, but I just had these warped, you know, just yeah. horrible relationships, you know, just because it, it was it was that way. But this this exchange, you know, is the best way. Sometimes I can describe it: the exchange of my life for His life. You just you, you see where I am hidden in God in Christ Jesus, where no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. That transformation, you know, of of yes. stepping out of my own kingdom, of yeah. trying to build me, make me, you know, do better, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. But I mean, stepping into, you know, really identifying myself in Jesus, that was transformational for me. Mm-hmm. And I began to see the truth of my identity in him. And so I, you know. So how did you do that? Maybe we should go there now. Like, how do you do that? How? And I think that's where we talked yet last last week about psychological reversals because that's right. the disconnect between what we believe in our, you know, we think in our mind and what we believe in our heart. There's a disconnect. So right. um, what I did uh, last week after we talked is um, I took our own advice and uh, just as we talked to our listener, I said, hey, let's go to your website at, you know, go to livetransform.com and, and let's talk about um, psychological reversals. And then you also talk about EFP. So could you help us with those? All right. <clears throat> well, before I explain EFT, let me say this, because this, this is where we started. Okay. You know, in, in transformation, I am, I am wanting to put on, you know, my, the new man. I'm wanting to put on the real me yes. in, in Christ Jesus. Yes. So, but many times people reach what I would describe as a stuck state. Okay. A stuck state is where you have a belief, an ideal, or issue, and maybe on a conscious level or maybe on a subconscious level, you are stuck. You cannot get past that issue. Now, the way that stuck state occurred was back here somewhere in your life, 
you developed a belief, and that belief could be because somebody hurt you. That belief could be shame about something you've done. But you developed a belief about you, or you had some kind of terribly negative experience. Actually, this can happen even without developing a belief. It can happen through cellular memories. So uh, let's say, for example, uh, there was a person in your life with whom you had extreme conflict and you know they were mean to you they were unkind da 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 you know all these bad things and so so you get away from them and then one day you find yourself having a conversation with somebody and you do notice that they sort of remind you of that person they might look like them or they might have some mannerisms or some expressions and but you're having a normal conversation with that person you may not even realize that at first and then suddenly you find yourself getting short yeah. hateful cutting that person off and, and 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 as it grows you you just feel like i don't like this person or i hate this person i don't want to talk to this person and and, and then when you walk away you're sort of like where did that all come from mm -hmm. so as we talked about in previous programs that person reminding you of somebody else is a trigger. Yes. Now, whatever emotions you had whenever you had your negative experience with this person originally caused actually an electronic signal because everything in the body works by electromagnetic energy. And so basically a signal was sent to your brain and that signal calls you to begin to release hormones, endorphins, or what I call neurochemicals that altered your physiology, that altered the way, not just the way you felt emotionally, but you felt it in your body. You felt sick to your stomach. You felt it. You felt weak all over. You broke out in a sweat. So what happens is once you trigger an association, that's what it is, I'm associating this with something in my past, once you trigger an association, then uh, that same that same electromagnetic signal gets sent through your body to your brain and tells your brain that it is time to release all of those exact same hormones uh, and neurochemicals and you have that same experience again. And so you get in a stuck state where I can't get past this. And that's where so many people are with issues that they repeat over and over again. Now, biblically, there is only one process for transformation for the believer. And that is to put off the old man, right? to renew the mind, and put on the new man. There's not anything else. Right. Now, I'm not saying you can't get a miracle. I'm not saying something can't happen in your life to de deliver you from a situation. But if you want to go through transformation, in other words, if you want to be the real you, if you want to be the righteous you, then there isn't another biblical process. Right. Put off the old man, which mm -hmm. is a choice. Mm -hmm. Renew your mind. Put on new man. So mm -hmm. I have developed dozens of exercises and many of these exercises I didn't develop. I have a lot that I did, mm -hmm. but many I didn't develop. But I saw them being used in uh, in the medical field, and I realized that that whether those people intended it or knew it or not, that 
that, that these exercises that they were using were actually uh, congruent with biblical process yes. and the way God created the human body. And EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, is one of the exercises that I will often use with a person right there on the spot. And sometimes in a matter of two minutes, they're out of their stuck state. Sometimes wow. if it's severe trauma, it may take 30 minutes. Sure. But 30 minutes to end a lifelong destructive repeat of having these negative emotions and then this destructive behavior, 30 minutes is nothing to invest to bring about all that change. And I love that. I love the introduction that you just gave us to this, um, Jim, because it really helps us bring clarification. We are just gaining a biblical principle of put off and put on. And now there are many different methods. See, the methods right. are not holy. The methods are not right. necessarily, you know, something. They're just methods. I mean, right. we have transportation methods. We have communication methods. But the principle is put off, put on. And so yep. I feel like sometimes we get stuck on the method. Is that right? Is that okay? It's like, you know what? It's a method. It's scientific. It's medical. And so so I, I really appreciate how you did that, Jim. That was great. And Jim, your heart physics programs, you know, as I, you know, spoke about me and my transformation, mm -hmm. heart physics for me right. was really life life changing because that began for me the process of put off, put yeah, on. Yeah, and I saw it happen to you, Bob, right and, in front of my eyes. And that, that, that's been, you know, yeah. 20 years now. Yeah. And and it continues today. It, right. it really does. But it, that heart oh, yeah. physics, the method was biblical meditation. Right. And at least that's how I would call it. I sure. mean, just learning what it means to write on your heart. Right. Write the truth and, on your heart. And the Bible tells you to write on your heart, but yeah. people don't know how. Well, the exactly. way, the way is biblical me meditation. Yeah. Right. Now, one of the one of the processes, and remember these exercises. They are not a substitute for what has to ultimately happen between you and Jesus. Right. They are only a tool that helps you process this journey. Remember, light is not life. Exactly. And you know, light is represented by information, knowledge, revelation. We are not we are not making our commitment to an exercise or even a biblical truth. We're using biblical truth or an exercise so that we can get past that which is holding us up so we can connect to Jesus personally. And when you say the word stuck, someone you have to get unstuck. And this is something that people can do. A absolutely. So <clears throat> I first got involved with EFT back in the 90s, really just very shortly after it was introduced to the world. And, and, and by the way, one of the qualifying factors I have when I look at a therapy, of course, first and foremost, do I see that it supports the principle of put off, put on, but also does it work with our human physiology in accordance with how God created us? You know, I'm not against psychiatric medications. There are some people that reach a place where they need it, but that will never solve a problem because it doesn't work with the way we were created. It interrupts the way our body's working, which is unnatural, which doesn't solve any problems and makes us think we don't have to solve our problems, but it makes us carry those problems forward. But in an emergency situation. But it, but it situation, does bring a, that sense of relief. Yeah. You know, yeah. and which, you know, you know, allows them to cope or, or to main, or, uh, maintain, 
you know, no. kind of a sense of normal. Because we've all heard that we, our bodies are made to heal themselves. So there's things that are yep. natural rhythms that we can get into to participate with that healing. Yeah, all we've really got to do is is uh, facilitate our body doing what God created it to do. There you go. And our, our body will heal and our, and our mind will heal. So let me say this. If anybody just got upset because we made reference to psychiatric drugs, if you take a psychiatric drug, then while you're feeling better, instead of letting that become a substitute for the grace of God, while you're feeling relief, start doing exercises to deal with your problem. Because the one thing the doctor is never going to tell you about psychiatric drugs, and that is they are physically addictive in that you can't stop most of them without severe side effects. But here's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you, number one, uh, like any addictive drug, uh, their duration of being able to help you shortens the longer you take it. And like any addictive drug, the degree to which they're able to give you a relief lessens over time. So this means you're always having to up this dose mm-hmm. on a regular basis right. because it's an addictive substance and and you have to have more and more and more. And the truth is, you, you know, this is an amazing truth. What I'm about to say, and uh, I, I, I'd encourage anybody to check it out. You know, I teach a lot of this stuff in my health seminars. You know, in the Old Testament... The most holy part of food was fat. Mm-hmm. That was the part, boy, that was the part of the offering that you took before God and, 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 and it was consumed you know, on the altar. And I tell you, I spent a lot of years pondering. I'm talking about a lot of years. I'm talking about over 30 years trying to figure out the anomaly of why fat was so precious until I discovered that fat is one of the most important nutrients that your body and brain needs. Hmm. And what's interesting is studies show that people who uh, are, maybe, uh, for example, on Prozac, studies show that if they simply improve or increase the fat in their diet up to maybe 60%, or some people it might have a little bit more, that in fact, they will have better results from that than they will from taking Prozac. Wow. That is crazy. But in your brain, and, 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 you know, I want to get to this because of the fact that, you know, your brain, your brain is really not where you think. You think with your mind, you believe with your heart, but your brain becomes the neural processor that says, okay, based on where you're focusing your attention, I am going to release the neurochemicals that will make you feel like that's real. If I start focusing on the, my fear that there's somebody outside about to break into my house at night, I'll, my stomach will, will, will get upset. I will begin to get nervous. I will probably begin to perspire. My pupils will dial. All these things, all these <laughs> things will happen uh, as if that thought is real. Well, see, the same thing happens with depression. The same thing happens with anger is, is my brain plays a big role. So, I'll just throw this out before we get off of the health aspect of it. But, you know, um, according to much research that's out there, good research that's out there, with the the introduction of cholesterol-lowering drugs, we had the emergence of a disease that never existed before or never existed 
in any great degree called Alzheimer's. And the reason for that is because your body uses fat and cholesterol to make brain cells. As a matter of fact, it uses fat and cholesterol to make all of your cells. But so what happens is if you lower your cholesterol, then your brain has nothing to make new cells out of except the old cells, which are, you know, it's already thrown off. So people get into emotional imbalance because their brain cells can't even duplicate or replicate the way they're supposed to because of listening to uh, people who tell us lies for money. Wow. Well, there you go. Hey, this is... <laughs> that is really important information. Well, and... I think people are recognizing, wow, I, I'm being faced with a lot, you know, right now. I know that, you know, even for myself and, and a good friend of mine, you know, we're both, you know, trying to watch our blood pressure, you know, that type of thing. Right. And, and just really, I was, I was speaking with him recently and he was talking to me about, you know, how the drugs had affected him. And oh, just the high blood pressure. Yeah, the high blood pressure issue. And, yeah. and so we were speaking about that because I've never gone medication. I've always been trying to you know, watch it, definitely watch it, but really trying to find these natural solutions. Right. But the drugs, wow, did they ever mess him up? Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, he's, you know, switched over and is uh, managing it much better, much, much mm. better with his diet. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we want to realize we're spirit, soul, and body. You know, sometimes, I, and the Christians used to say this back in the 80s and 90s. I just thought, how stupid are you? But, you know, you'd hear people up preaching. <laughs> yeah, Jim, and they would just be, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> you know, you'd hear these guys preaching. they say, you know, I'm a spirit being. You're a spirit being. I'm thinking, well, if you're a spirit being, let me see you walk through a wall. <laughs> yeah. You've got a body that's going to get in the way of that. That's right. You know, the God never said we were spirit beings. He said we were should be spiritual beings. But what God actually said after he breathed life into us was that we were a living soul. Yes. Wow. And so so we have to understand, you know, God's interested in our soul. Our soul gets into how we think, how, the emotions that we experience. So anyhow, back to this thing about EFT. Yes. Yeah. Now, so that was a fun trail, though, Jim. Yeah, and I it's an important it. trail because yeah. I want Very people to realize important. they can do some health things that will start solving some of their capacity to have normal, stable emotions. Yeah. But <clears throat> all right. So what happens? We have this trauma, and see, we actually know that each organ in the body influences a different aspect of our emotions. And our thought processes, the way you know uh, how we interpret things, is very much connected to the health of our organs. Now, when we had that traumatic experience, if the issue that if the if the primary driving force of that was fear, then it probably got stored in our kidneys. In other words, the memory, the cellular memory of this event that I didn't send away. And we talked last week about sending this stuff away before it has time to take root in your mm -hmm, body. Mm -hmm. So if it was fear, it's probably going to go to my kidneys. If it was right. anger, uh, frustration, you know, it's going to probably go to my liver. If it was, uh, if it was you know, betrayal and, Grief. and shame, it's going, to, and it's going to probably go to my heart. Mm -hmm. If it's grief, it goes to my lungs. Uh, it's going to go to my lungs. Yeah. So, so these cellular memories get stored somewhere in our body. 
And, 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 you know, when the Bible talks about things that happen in our members, many times it's talking about cellular memories, mm-hmm, these things mm-hmm. that are stored in our body that come out. You know, even the book of Proverbs, how many thousands of years ago, talks about how the words of the wicked go into your belly. They go inside of you. They get wow. stored inside yeah. of you. Yeah. And we read that and just think, well, that's just, that's just uh, metaphorically speaking. No, that's a literally speaking. So anyhow, so when I get in a, in a situation where there is an association, then, and that, I have this trigger, then what happens is wherever that memory is stored in my body is then sent to my brain. And uh, many people don't understand or recognize the scientific validity behind the body having energy pathways. And each of those energy pathways are linked to an organ and goes through the brain. And so let's say I get in, in a situation where somebody, I have a situation where somebody is making moves like my stepfather used to make, and suddenly a signal gets sent to my brain where I start feeling that same kind of fear. Well, I can get reactionary. I could even, you know, do something violent and hurt the person and end up in prison when they had no intention whatsoever of doing anything. <clears throat> but that signal had to make it from where it was stored in my body into my brain. Now, the body uh, has just beneath the skin a little layer of what feel, feels like a type of fat. And uh, uh, some people pronounce it fascia. Some people pronounce it fascia. I'm not sure what the accepted I really don't hear an accepted norm on how to pronounce mm-hmm. that because I hear people pronounce it a lot of different ways. But the uh, the chemical or biological components of uh, of fascia is the the exact same components that create piezoelectric energy. Now, out in the deserts, you know, the Indians used to take certain gourds that had seeds that were made out of the same stuff. And so when they would shake these gourds, because the seeds would hit one another, collide with one another, collide with the, with the walls of the gourd, they would light up because they were releasing piezoelectric energy. Wow. So <clears throat> if I, let's say that... Let's say that if I have the emotion of um, of fear, and I'm feeling that emotion of fear, and if I go in, go, and if I know where to go to on that uh, energy pathway from my kidneys, if I know where to go to and tap that, then I'm going to tap and release an electromagnetic energy that will interrupt that signal being able to reach my brain. So, but we don't want to just stop at stop at making something stop happening. Right. We want to go the next step, and and what do we want to have happen? So, if I will, the things that I focus on or think about while I'm tapping on that particular spot, are now being attached to this electromagnetic signal that's going ah. to my brain, and it's reprogramming my brain. Wow. And uh, it, you know what? You all... just described that really well. I've never understood it that well. Thank you. Oh, this is all scientific. It's all it's all you know medical, but it's also biblical because again, uh, we're not 
we're not trying to use this as a substitute for Jesus. We're trying to use this to get unstuck emotionally. So we can so experience can Jesus. Then, yes. I, I can go to Jesus free and don't have any shame. Don't have anything pulling me back right. or, or drawing me back. Right. So in the video that you have on your website for biblical EFT, uh, we take people through a, just about a two-minute exercise that they can do right on the spot. And I'm telling you, I have gotten so much email back from this. You know, there was a, a, a um, an associate pastor at a large, successful church that just struggled. He, he really wasn't an immoral man, but he, but he struggled. And he got himself into a compromising situation with a female. And again, he didn't have sex. He didn't, you know, he didn't do something bizarre. But but the long and the short of it was he he ended up, you know, being removed from his ministry position. And um, and he contacted me and said, you know what, I, I just need some help. I just know you're the guy that's going to help me. So I took him through some different things. I got him to do heart physics right off the bat. That was the first step. Got him to read certain books. But then I taught him the EFT exercise. And I said, now, every time you begin to feel temptation toward anything, mm-hmm. anytime, because it all, all temptation is, it's an association with something that brought you pleasure in the past. See, PTSD isn't just about trauma. If you had something that brought you an extreme amount of pleasure or gratification in the past, then that same signal can run to your brain today mm-hmm. to, to lead you back in that type of behavior. So I said, right. anytime you begin to feel this, do, any, do one of these, this EFT exercise. You know, I, I heard from him not long after that. He said, man, he said, I'm going to become a, an EFT evangelist. He said, can I, <laughs> can I give this information to people? I said, well, sure you can. You know, it's, it, it's free. Now, obviously, there are some people online that take EFT to a stupid place, to a mystical place, mm-hmm. right. and make it weird. But you know what? Just because people take something and make it weird doesn't mean we have to do that. And doesn't mean right. that's what we're doing. Right. So in that meeting, you know, or in that counseling session, that person's acting rude and unkind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him aware of how this is affecting his wife. But one of the questions I might ask him is, uh, okay, something set this off. What, what, what set this off? Could be a feeling, could be a thought. And his, his thought might be, well, I just think she's being stupid. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about her being stupid and all the stupid things that she does. Mm-hmm. And I want you to stir up every single emotion that you have about this. In other words, I want to get these things running mm-hmm. the pathways, the energetic pathways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when he does that, we're going to do an EFT exercise. Yeah. And I'm going to ask him to think about it again. And I'm going to say, okay, now what are your emotions on a scale of one to 10? Yeah. You know, if 10 was what you had before we started, where are you now? Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's, well, I feel more like it's about maybe a six now. Okay. Now I want you to think about it. We're going to do it again. So what, when he's doing the EFT, like when he's tapping, is he um, saying something positive? What is he believing? What is what belief is he writing on his heart when he's well, tapping? In the video, we teach the stages of EFT. The first stage is using it to put off. So, okay. So initially, he's he is focusing on 
these emotions. Yeah, so he's going there like he's these down are, the emotional pathway. Make him yeah. angry or whatever. Yeah. And so he's going there, and because he's going to be sending this elect- electromagnetic signal through his energy pathways, then what's going to happen is the original signal is going to get scrambled. It's going to get to where it cannot run in the brain. Okay. Uh, it'd be like taking a, it'll be like taking an old 45 RPM record and you know, your kids are playing it over and over again. You're sick of listening to it. And so you go, you just take something and scratch it all the way across. Okay. <laughs> it, it, in other words, it, it, it can make noise, but it just doesn't play. Right. Well, that's the way it is with, with, once you get free from something from the past, that doesn't mean you will never think of it. Right. It doesn't mean you will never be tempted or have it the entertainment or entertaining the idea of doing it again. But here's what it does mean. It means there will be no emotions attached to it no to draw you attached. back into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the sec- then we take them through, you know, uh, another step of EFT. And that is, that is, okay, now let's put off, you know, this old man. And then I'm taking another step. Let's put on this new man. Let's put on what we're going to replace this with. And I just see incredibly amazing results. And and what we're putting on, you know, we're we're, we're connecting to Jesus. We're focusing on what we have yes. in Jesus. We're focusing yes. on the promise of God. Yes. And so it's just, you know, throughout the Bible, there were many physical things that people did that affected them physiologically that multiplied the the emotional effects of what they were doing. Right. For example, when we stand up and look toward heaven, we raise our eyes up. But when we raise our eyes up, our brain waves slow down. When our brain waves slow down, then our then our uh, intellectual mind is not in total control, and so now. Uh, uh, we're more in touch with our heart, and we now, can focus happens. on something more spiritual, so to speak. Or focus. Yeah, we think we, we'd think it'd be more spiritual, yeah. but it's a physiological process that makes it easier for you to make this journey, so to speak. Interesting. And you know, for example, I'm sure you've seen this, man. When and you might do it yourself. I do it, man. I'll be worshiping, and before long, I'm rocking. Yeah. And, and you'll see people, man, they'll start, they'll worship and they're, they're rocking. Well, when you rock a, a baby, it sedates them. When, when we rock. <laughs> when I rock it, again, Bob, it sedates them too. <laughs> there well, you go. There you go, honey. <laughs> yes. If, if only people could see your Stevie Wonder impression right now. <laughs> uh, if, so, so what happens is when, again, when we rock, it slows down our brainwaves. It makes it easier for us to worship from our heart and be less distracted by our mind. So there's all kinds of physical things in prayer and worship that, in fact, have a physiological effect. Now, that effect doesn't solve the problem. That effect doesn't, isn't, doesn't make God more real to us. These things just make us able to move past our stuck states or our distractions and get more in touch with our heart which means we can deal with these problems at a level that really works. That is and what, great. You know, what happens with EFT is people get to where they solve problems in five minutes instead of five years. 
Whew, that sounds like some pretty good news right there. And that is in that stuck state. I don't know how many times I get into stuck states. I'm not going to even talk about helping other people. This is for me. Like this sure. really, really helps me. And sometimes mine is just a basic emotion of stubbornness or something like that, or I'm feeling, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. I feel stuck in my stubbornness or my own way of doing something. And you can do EFT just about that stubbornness. That's exactly that. what I was just thinking. I think Bob might appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Today wow. Is, it's gone too fast, but I guess we're going to have to continue this oh, next week. We're almost week. at 50 minutes. Woo. Woo. Really good. It just, I told you you were profound. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't know how, uh, how much. Uh, we began, I think, at a, a place of just really seeing the difference between change and transformation. And we all want a change. But to really begin to experience effortless victory, you know, to really begin to experience the life that we've really wanted, we've got to move to a place of transformation. Yes. You know, of putting off the old and putting on the new, you know, putting on who you really are, accepting, you know, yourself in, in, in the place where you are. But then as well, letting that metamorphosis, let that transformation, let the real you emerge. And so we've been, you know, kind of addressing, you know, highlighting different spots here and there, you know, where we find these stuck places, where we have these hurdles in our lives, where we Mm -hmm. have these cellular memories. And, you know, then these are just some of the techniques to get us, you know, to break us free so that we can really experience our life in Jesus. And, you know, if people choose to go to your website and get the series that supports this, it's going to be several hours of, of not just more information, but of more exercises. They can, do, and they can get that through you guys, right? Yes, yes. at livetransform.com. Yes. Yep. And the name of series is Emotional uh, Freedom from Emotional Debt. Yeah. That's and your so that's, a, that's available on, on their website. Yes. And so get the tools, you know, make this journey, be a disciple, invest in yourself and apply God's solutions to your life. And man, you'll see the results that you never saw just from absorbing information and, and getting more intellectual. I sure feel yeah. a lot of hope from this. And I, and I know if I'm feeling that, I know our listener, you are too. So um, I'm just thankful that you joined us for this time together. Mm-hmm. And I do, I'm really excited for your future. You know, you, who, mm-hmm. you who's listening, because honestly, you're going to find out that you don't have to live life with a broken heart. You don't have to try so hard not to get angry, you know, try so hard to be patient mm-hmm. when there's things that we can do to let God heal our heart and kind of rewire our brain. It's almost sounding like Jim. I don't know if I'm saying that mm-hmm. right, but um, God wants to really heal us. So thank you so much, Jim. Jim, it's been great. Thanks for coming thank you. and sharing you know, this time Really with appreciate us. you. And to all of our listeners, just remember, you know, that although a light has shone on different areas, don't just take this knowledge, but you take it to the next step. Yes. Again, you're at the threshold. You're at the doorway. You know, use it, but then really get in there and experience uh, the extravagance of God's love. I love you, Dr. Jim Richards. I love you guys. You're I'm so best. thankful to be here with you, and we'll do this some more. Yes, and thank you, listeners. We just believe in you, and we believe Jesus in you, and your future is great. So we will see you next time. <laughs>